Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, production of iHeartRadio. And welcome to another edition of Sminty Fiction. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, As always, these are once a month, so if it's not your thing, which I totally get, uh, you can skip it. Also, this is ongoing. We are currently in a continuing story. We are on chapter six, I believe. I do this every time. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's a continuing story. So you'll definitely want to go back and listen to the chapters before this because we're getting into some of the action now. I think there's been a lot of buildup, but now we're, we're getting into that. As I said... Before on these, um, this was a part of uh, my first time doing National Novel Writing Month. Um, so it's not, I don't really edit it. Uh, and this was in 2010. So it's kind of, it's just kind of interesting to see what I was thinking about writing about back then. <laughs> um, and, and we did, because we just got out of November. I know it's like the end of December when you hear this, but our recording right. schedule is bonkers. <laughs> so we did just get out of November. And I've loved hearing, we asked some of you if you did NaNoWriMo right in. And I got some great facts because I'd been like, oh, I think people might be cheating. Um, but uh, people people wrote in and they corrected yeah. me and, and told me about their stories. Keep that up because we love, we love hearing about that kind of yes. stuff. Um, and I'm just curious. I, I love this idea. NaNoWriMo is so interesting because it's kind of like, some people do plan it, don't get me wrong. But if you're like me and you're just like, write something, it's just, what is going on in your mind? It's kind of like a psyche, like a look into your psyche. It really is. It is. But I would love to see like if people have done like rom-coms or, or I don't know. I, I, would, I would just very much appreciate you letting us know. Also, as always... Thanks to the people who have already written in, too. And thanks uh, to Christina, who makes these happen, and for the people who have written in and recognized that Christina is the amazing person who makes these happen. (laughs) Uh, We do appreciate that as well. But also, as I always say in these, this is one of those things where I also get if this is totally the worst time for this to come out for you, because the content warning I have here, a little bit of like aftermath of gun violence in this chapter, uh, illness, Threat of violence and child separation, hunger, 
crude language, um, child danger, heavy child danger, infertility, stigma around sex and illness, stigma around infertility, uh, lack of agency around your body. Uh, this chapter has some ableism or internalized ableism ideas as well. So uh, if you're hearing that and you haven't heard the rest of them, you're like, what is this? Yeah, uh, here's a quick <laughs> recap. Uh, so the global population has been decimated by this virus that causes infertility. Um, the government, along with a religious organization called ARM, A-R-M, determines where, like when a child is actually born, where that child will go. Um, that's determined by the Board of uh, Better Parenting as well. And so Tilda has her child and is unwilling to be separated from him, uh, her child Madison. So she ran away from these conception centers and government centers, and they've been on the run for seven years. Uh, and it's winter. Winter is coming. Uh-oh. Madison has this cough that is very concerning. Their clothes aren't good. Their supplies aren't good. Like, nothing's looking good. Uh, and then they were finally cornered by these enforcers who work for the government who have been searching for what they call priority number one case, which is Tilda and her son. And Tilda and Madison narrowly escape the enforcers, uh, and Tilda is shot in the leg as they steal a car. And that is where we are. So it's not Dang. good. I mean, a lot of bad things are happening. <laughs> Poor Tilda. Putting her through some things. I did put Tilda through some things. And to be <laughs> honest, it's not going to get a lot better very soon. So. <laughs> uh, but on that very cheerful note, let us get into the story. Tilda took a moment to evaluate the situation. They couldn't stay in this car for long. It would draw too much attention. Blood poured from the hole in her left calf. It shook uncontrollably, simultaneously hot and cold. It hurt, but not nearly as much as it should. Adrenaline at work, but it would fade eventually, probably sooner rather than later. And then what? Their whole world consisted of walking, of being mobile. How could they carry on with her leg injured? She didn't know how to properly heal a bullet wound. The damage would most likely be permanent. She cut that thought off before it could fully form, horrified at the prospect of it and what it would mean. Ringing filled her ears, her uneven, gulping gasp muted. Oh yes, they were in trouble. Tilda took her eyes off the road for a moment to study Madison. Apart from being pale, shaken, and sick, he looked otherwise all right. He stared at her, eyes round and gleaming. His lip trembled. Directing her eyes back to the asphalt, she asked, You all right, baby? No answer. She could feel his gaze, unwavering and heavy. Did you hear me? She prodded. His ears must be buzzing, too. He sniffled. You're bleeding. An odd tingling was slowly spreading through her, leaving in its wake a more disturbing numbness. It's fine, she deflected, and if not for the tremor in her voice, it might have passed for normal. Madison, intelligent and perceptive, saw right through the lie. The tears collected at the corners of his eyes spilled over. She took a gasping breath, stomach clenching, as the first heart-wrenching sob broke free. It's okay. We'll be fine. We just... A wave of pain flared up her leg and she broke off for a moment, swallowing. She picked back up, stars in her eyes. Just better get to town and then uh, get some bandages on it and get you, you some medicine and, and we'll be fine. Towns don't fix everything, 
Madison hiccuped. Tilda would have laughed if the situation wasn't so severe. His bawling turned into a fit of coughs. No, they don't, she agreed, but it's all we've got. And I'm so sorry for that, she thought but didn't say. Just try and um, calm down and we'll be there soon. Madison curled up in the seat, watching her as if she'd disappear if he looked away and his gaze could pin her there. Outside their window was a tableau of yellow and blue smudging into each other like broad brushstrokes. It gave Tilda the odd impression that they were in a painting, always moving, but going nowhere. Time faded in and out, every blink seeming disproportionately long. Tilda kept catching herself forgetting to breathe and would suck in a whistling gasp that somehow made her feel more oxygen deprived. Blurry road signs cropped up more and more frequently, but she couldn't make them out. When she started to ask Madison to read them to her, she found her tongue too dry to speak properly. Chastising herself for her weakness, she blinked until the letters crystallized. Topeka, 11 miles. Time to ditch the car, she decided grimly. The idea sent a thrill of terror up her spine. It would draw too much attention. Possibly it was even equipped with a tracking device. They'd have to take their chances in Topeka. As much as she tried to refuse herself the luxury of the thought, she kept wondering what would happen to Madison if she died. It might be only a leg wound, but blood loss could be deadly, not to mention infection. And there was the possibility she would be left unable to walk. What would they do then? Wait for the enforcers to catch up with them? They'd have to find a place to hide so she could recover. So they could both recover, she amended as Madison coughed. The longer they stayed, the greater the chance the enforcers would discover them, but there was always the chance, however slim, that they'd give up, move on. She could hope. Even though there was only the ragged edge, she had to, to keep going. Tilda flipped on the turn signal, as ridiculous as it was, taking the first exit for Topeka. Rows and rows of houses sprung up on either side of them, all of them fading and similar and average in every way. Tilda assessed their surroundings through blurry vision, searching for a place to ditch the car as she weaved slowly and unevenly down the road, looking for a parking garage or a lot or anywhere where a car would not draw attention. A huge red arrow caught her eye. She fought against the haze encroaching upon her, stringing together enormous dull yellow letters one at a time. Car wash. She mouthed the words silently, her foggy brain gripping to the car and car wash like a lifeboat. Woozily and without conscious decision, she followed the arrow up a slight incline and navigated the car into what appeared to be a garage, the hanging strips of cloth a dark portal that obscured the vehicle from view. She powered the car down and pulled the keys out of the ignition. They slipped from her fingers and jingled to the floor, and Tilda's world tilted dangerously when she bent over to retrieve them. It took her several sitting breaths before she was able to pull herself upright and deposit the keys into her carrier bag. Nauseated, she fumbled with the handle, falling out of the car and scraping her knees on the concrete. Using the side mirror for leverage, she heaved herself to her feet, doing her best to ignore the red and black stain covering most of her left calf, oozing slowly. A distress cry sliced through her blood loss-induced apathy. She turned towards it. Masson, eyes huge and hands clapped over his mouth, gaped at her. Clearing her throat, she tested her left leg's ability to hold her weight. It wobbled warningly, but held. Tilda knew it wouldn't last for long. She limped over towards Madison, dismayed and irrationally stung when he took the tiniest step back as she approached with her hand held out for him. But then he rushed to her side, crying quietly, wrapping an arm around her waist to do what he could to help her. 
He murmured comfortingly to her, and Tilda felt her love for him swell, a temporary remedy for the pain. Her steps became surer as they exited through the back of the car rush and started down a residential street. They walked for several minutes, an unnatural silence pressing against Tilda's eardrums. She couldn't tell if there was no sound or if her body had diverted all energy from hearing to her throbbing leg. She didn't know where they were going. All she knew was she had to keep going. With every step she waged a battle, the world increasingly small as it was consumed with agony. Her vision tunneled and she dropped heavily to her knees. So great was the pain in her legs, she barely felt the pebbles digging and cutting into her skin. Madison sobbed loudly, attempting to pull her to her feet. Tilda's body was unresponsive. Her effort to stand failed miserably. She started to crawl forward, feeling the color drain from her face. Her only thought was to keep going, to get Madison to safety before she passed out. His crying was distant in her ears. She saw movement out of the corner of her eye. She turned her head sluggishly to the left to look, collapsing on her right side. The world spun sickeningly. Small hands tugged at her, trying to pull her up. Tilda thought she heard a woman, far away, as Madison's weeping faded in and out, sharpening and blurring, and everything drifted from her leaving her in darkness. <laughs> it was March. Madison was four years old. They'd been on the run for almost three years. Tilda thought it would be easier now that Madison could walk on his own and keep up with her fairly well, and it was in most ways. His naturally inquisitive nature made him prone to start and stop and wander and pick up things which Tilda adored in him, but it certainly presented some challenges to a life on the run. Now it was night, the full moon shrouded by clouds, silver rays of light shining through and dotting the landscape. Two enforcers had spotted them. They always seemed to come in a pair. Tilda, exhausted, saw them on the road ahead too late. They were heading towards them. Tilda scooped Madison up, tearing off into the woods and tumbling into a ditch in her hurry. She shot back up and ran as fast as she could lift her legs, dodging trees and jumping over roots, the soggy leaves catching at her feet. But she ran, her lungs burning and her heart pounding wildly. Soon her legs would collapse under the strain. A raised root snagged her foot, sending her crashing into the forest floor. Panting harshly, the beginnings of despair starting to take hold, she pulled herself up to her knees when she caught sight of an overhang, almost completely obscured by leaves, moss, and hanging roots. With Madison still in her arms, she crawled over as quietly as she could, trying to disturb the leaves as little as possible. She could hear the loud footsteps of the enforcers getting closer. The space underneath the overhang was small. They had to slide underneath it, Tilda curling up to keep her feet from view. They lay in the dark, damp space, wet leaves clinging to them, doing their best to breathe quietly. Madison, too young to understand, wasn't scared. It was more of a game to him. He didn't have to ask. He knew that they didn't want to be caught. But he knew it in the way of a game of hide-and-seek, the danger not yet real to him. Tilda draped an arm around him, willing him to be still and silent. The footsteps of the enforcers slowed just outside their hiding space. Please, Tilda begged silently. Please. A mouse poked his head out of a small hole in the dirt near their heads, brown fur lighter than the leaves around it, ears swiveling and tiny nose twitching. Out it crawled, paying no heed to the humans hiding near it. 
Madison opened his mouth and Tilda clapped her hand over it, muffling his exclamation. He jumped, startled, but did not react beyond that. The enforcers, now about 10 feet away, paused, listening, before continuing their search in the area in front of the overhang. But gradually, they moved away from it. Turning slowly, Madison freed himself from the hand over his mouth, eyes serious, leaning to whisper in Tilda's ear, Mouse. Tilda didn't comprehend at first, watching the enforcers as their footsteps faded. But then Madison pointed at the creature working his way through the leaves, stopping to dig in the dirt. Incredulous, she half grinned, nodding but gesturing for him to be quiet. He smiled, focusing his avid attention on the rodent. They remained hidden long after the mouse and the enforcers had gone, until Madison fixed her with a gaze of pure boredom, fidgeting. Carefully, the two emerged out of their nature-provided hiding space, like two creatures birthed from Earth itself. Without thought, she pulled Madison to a fierce embrace, laughing and crying hysterically into his neck. He allowed it, surprised and confused. Mouse, he'd whispered. She loved him more than anything. Sometimes in her worry and doubt, she lost track of that. She took it for granted. But she'd do anything to protect him and would fight for him as long as she could. For that one night in the cold and dreary dark of March, she was gloriously at peace with her decision to take Madison. Tilda lifted the now drowsy child and walked away from the enforcers and out of the forest. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. 
And that brings us to the end of this chapter of Terminus. And it's still looking pretty grim. I did have, I kind of just wanted to mention a lot of stuff I write. And I I don't think this is just me. I think everybody does this. But I'm such a huge nerd. I put references in there. And they're, they're like the most, like, you know, you really have to know deep cut references. So it's not like you're reading it like, oh, she's talking about Star Wars. I mean, that Jimmy Eat World one was pretty on point. But other than that, (laughs) but this chapter I was reading and I was like, I know exactly what horror movie I'm talking about, even though I haven't seen it in quite a long time. Uh, But, and I know this is going to sound like a completely random question, Samantha, what uh, are your thoughts on automatic car washes? I like them. Yeah. I didn't go through one until I was an adult uh, mm. because, and when I say adult, out of college, uh, mm-hmm. because we didn't have any of those at uh, in LJ. We had the self-wash, and mm-hmm. it didn't pop up like it has now. And even now, I think they're more in the suburban areas than they are in, like, metro areas because you can get hand washes and, like, custom washes, but those are expensive. But the mm-hmm. automatic car washes, like, it was rare. So, mm-hmm. but I'm a fan because I'm like, yeah, $5. <laughs> rinse off my Rinse off my car. Thank you. That's nice. You see, I'm terrified of them is why I bring it up. Uh, Yeah, I'm really scared of them. I was as a kid too, but they're they're featured in a lot of horror movies. Um, It's a big like jump scare moment of you don't know what's happening in the car wash because like everything's moving, it's dark and like all that stuff. Uh, So that's where the car wash thing comes from. Uh, It was just funny when I was going back over reading it because I haven't read this in a while. I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) I I remember I'm afraid of car washes. I didn't like this. Uh, Okay. Yes. Yes. Well, hopefully, hopefully this has been a come down from that pretty tense chapter. It was was going back over it. I had a lot of moments of like, wow, this is really... I mean, it's grim, but also this whole idea of like, what what would you do if you've been shot and you can't walk? And and that's where I was like, this is kind of ableist. Like the way I was describing it, like, oh, she's she might as well be dead. Oh, but it yeah. is it's such a grim, right? Like you don't have medicine, and the like infection sets in, and that could yeah. be it. Um, but it was just something that was kind of like, huh, okay, that's it's good to know. I'm glad I, I've made I've bro- there's been growth. I recognize it. You gotta you gotta note the past and then move mm-hmm, on. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, as always, we love doing these. We hope that you enjoyed listening, listening to them. Uh, and it'll be back next month and you'll see what happens. Ooh, <laughs> yes. Yes. If you have any theories or any, as we always say, anything in the public domain that we could do to take a like a little mini break, because we do love doing these. They're really fun. Mm-hmm. Please let us know. You can email us at stephaniamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at Steph Never Told You. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Christina. Magic maker. Yes. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865.
Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.